Adventures in a Small World. Hello and welcome to Strangers in a Small World. Today we talk to Matthew. Matthew is a musician from Canada who spends his time working video game streams by day. You can find him on a90skid.com and performing live music at night at your local pub. He is part of a band called the Magyars, and if you listen to this episode, you'll figure out what Magyars mean. During the conversation, we get to hear about how Matthew gets to play both video games and music for a living. We delve into topics like human nature, fear, and Matthew shares a story about a Craigslist experience that's pretty funny. I had a lot of fun recording this episode, so I hope you enjoy my conversation with Matthew. Let's dive right in. What are what do you normally do? Uh, so I'm a computer engineer for work. Um, so that's what I've been doing for eight years now since graduating from college. Uh, so that's the the work part of my life. And then for fun, I do all kinds of things. Um, I like sports, video games, reading. Uh, music, not that I play any or make any, but enjoy listening. So a lot mm. of different hobbies, I guess. So eight years out of school. Yes. And uh, computer engineering. Eight years out of school. So, okay, so you went and had like a serious sort of schooling background. Uh, yeah, I went to college and I just got a bachelor's in computer engineering. Mm, congratulations. Because usually people that go to school and drop out, they never, they never reference their time as to when they... <laughs> We're out of school. They, sure. they, they don't usually landmark it. Yeah, yeah, it's been eight years since I uh, took that one class and then petered off because <laughs> I, I didn't go to school right away. And then I, I did some classes online and then one at the college, mm-hmm. but I just, um, I really didn't like it. I didn't, uh, I, I just started playing music all the time and that became much more fulfilling. And, um, uh, just the kind of, I was doing a lot of, you know, like the 100 classes, how they're. They're oh, yeah. giving you the foundation for everything. Mm-hmm. The whole time I was like, oh, do we have to give a name to everything? Does everything have to have a definition? And then I realized, well, yes, obviously, because then they can refer to that later on. But Right. Yeah, you build on that. Sometimes I feel like I feel like this is – like knowing the name for the palate in somebody's mouth because I was doing linguistics, uh, it's not as important as helping somebody learn. But I guess that's the building blocks. It just seems like I wanted to get to the good stuff first. And yeah. It takes a long time. And it takes, yeah, four years before you actually get to that good stuff. Now, do you, yeah. now would you recommend somebody going into your field uh, to do the, the same education? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, to to work in this field, you kind of need to even get a job in this field. I think you need at least a bachelor's. A lot of people have master's. Um, did it help? Yeah. I mean, do I use stuff every day that I learned in school? Probably not. But you have that base that you can kind of always fall back on. Mm. So, yeah, it's not. I guess they're not just taking people off the street. They're like, ah, I'm, I'm a quick learner. Don't worry, I'll, I'll figure out this incredibly complicated computer science. Yeah, right. Exactly. I'm a quick study. I was I was working for the Boys and Girls Club. Mm. I don't know. If you guys have those, right? Oh, I'm yeah. in I'm in I'm in Canada, and it was fun. It was a job I just kind of got out of nowhere when I was doing another job I hated and I was going to, I went back to a call center 
Like my first job out of high school was a call center. And then I thought I'd kind of moved on from that. And then there was a recession and I went back there and I was just doing the training, the two weeks of training to try to find another job. And I was hobbling. I had also hurt my leg and I was hobbling back to the training and this truck was like letting me go, but I was tired on my crutches. So I'm like, ah, waving the truck and it wouldn't move. And I'm like, what's the deal with this truck? And it was somebody I used to work with at the Boys and Girls Club. And they said, um, they're like, what are you doing? And I was so embarrassed to say I was going to go back to a call center to work. I said, oh, nothing. I'm unemployed. <laughs> and they uh, told me to come back. And uh, I really started enjoying it and especially working with like the really troubled kids. But, mm. but to, so the natural progression would be to graduate or I don't know. I don't see I haven't had a normal job for so long. I don't think they call it the graduate. Get promoted, progress from like working with 15 kids to working with one really troubled kid. But they said, if you don't have a degree in anything, you'll never get this job. So wow. I ended up leaving. That's too bad. Even if you had the experience there and they knew you, it's just they have to check that box kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. They, yeah. A lot of them had recommended me for it, but then they go, oh, you don't have any education? Uh, That's sad. Get out. Yeah. Yeah, it was too bad. But it, it all worked out. Oh, um, yeah, sure. Kids are fun, but uh, music, it, it led me to music and other things. So. so is that, are you doing music professionally right now? Yes. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. That's my main gig is mostly live performing. Um, I also do some freelance uh, voiceover and for like corporate business philosophy. I don't actually understand all the things I'm talking about. It's a lot of blockchain and, oh and decentralized. It's really fun because the words are so long and sometimes made up that it's it's like a decentralized institution of blockchain infrastructure. Wow. And and then I also do, um, I stream for this Australian company called a90skid.com. Oh, okay. Play, playing video games. That's cool. So is that like Twitch or is this actually a90skid.com is its own thing? Oh, no, no. It's, uh, it's on Twitch and YouTube okay. and like Mixer and stuff. But uh, yeah, we started built it up on YouTube. We're still pretty small. Mm-hmm. But it's been a lot of fun, and uh, I love, I love, I love trying to find a productive way to do fun things. Yeah. So rather than just kind of playing video games by myself, it's really nice to have a chat that you get to know and you become friends with, and people are helping you and you're sharing in those experiences. And also, I've video games are something that, and sometimes in my life, I'm really obsessed with, and other times, completely pass me by. So I get to go back and play all the games that I never tried before. Like I'd never actually beaten all the Half-Life games or the Metal Gear Solid games or Mass Effect. Oh, Metal, Metal Gear Solid's great. Oh, yeah. I got, I got to ask you, what do you think about Metal Gear Solid 4? Oh, uh, I haven't played. I've only okay. played um, 2 and 3. Oh, interesting. Not 1. Was 4 Snake Eater or was that? 3 was Snake Eater. Oh, That's played, when... Yeah, I played Snake Eater. No, I never played 4. Was it good? Well, that's it's a divisive game because four wraps up. It tried to wrap up everything in the series, and it brings back basically everybody. It tries to force a connection from everybody into everything else, and it's very, very long. And um, kind of all the things people criticize Metal Gear Solid for for having a complex story or convoluted and long cutscenes, it is that to the maximum. So some die diehard fans think it's amazing. Mm. I think it's like a really bloated piece of crap but too um, much but i think two and three those are those are the best by far in my opinion yeah i played two when i was younger and it blew me away 
just everything the story the gameplay it's great and the big switch up oh yeah amazing the big switch where he toyed with everyone's expectations of snake as the big action hero they wanted another game like the first and he gave you a piece of it and then turned the tables in it actually really angered a lot of people at first and then it was uh but I don't think there's ever been a, another game that's done that, that's actually used the gamer's expectations as a mechanic in the game. Right. Incredible. It's crazy how much video games are like an art. You know, people hmm. just see it as, oh, you're going and you're shooting up people or whatever. But really, there's a lot of games that, you know, have stories and meaning and people put a lot of time and passion into it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and in a way it's... I mean, it's it's one of the only media that requires interaction. So it has this extra fourth dimension that movies and television and books don't have because you have to be, you are a part of it and you can influence what's going on. And it's, uh, yeah, but you're right. Like, there's a lot of a stigma behind it where this guy was cutting my hair and he we were talking about music we like to listen to while we're working. And I said, I can't listen to music with words, so I listened to video game soundtracks. And he was like, what? Video game music? Like... Because he, the first video games he saw, he's older, were probably like Pac-Man and sure. Space Invaders. So he was like, what do you mean, like, bleep, bloop, bop, dippy, doop, <laughs> doop? Go, yeah. But even those ones that are, you know, blippy, blop, bloop, which would be like a chiptune, they had some of the most talented composers in Japan that were creating that music in North America. But it's for some people, they hear it, and it's in such, it's, it's packaged in such a way that is immediately a turnoff and becomes inaccessible. Right, right. So, yeah, we're going to have to talk about uh, video games all the time. So how did you get the idea of doing this podcast? So I've always kind of had this idea where I want to do something like either write a book or start a blog and kind of get my ideas and, you know, get out there a little bit. Um, I kind of feel like I get stuck into this computer engineering, you know, this is my life every day is kind of the same type of thing. Right. So I don't know. I just came up with the idea of, you know, there's people out there and there's a bunch of podcasts, right? And they're all, usually you see podcasts where people, um, like famous people get interviewed, but I haven't seen too many where just regular kind of people talk and get interviewed and learn about each other. So Oh, I, th I thought this was because I was famous. Oh, I was <laughs> oh sorry, maybe. Missing far. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so that's kind of the idea. And I said, all right, I'm going to take action. I'm going to do 10 episodes. And if I like it, I'm kind of, I'll keep going. If not, hey, I tried something. And how many episodes are yet? This is number four. Oh, wow. So, so I'm I'm in the pilot, the test phase. Your, your test phase. Uh, so. I appreciate you taking the time and joining me and helping me get through it. But um. well, the th the thing with podcasts is that there are so many. There's everybody has podcasts, yep. but it's it's generally two guys talking. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the majority. There are ones with women, of course. Sure. Um, but the the most ones I've seen. But and so unfortunately, you have that part. But the thing that a lot of them lack is a and I, I see the more popular ones are figuring this out. You need to have some kind of angle, and there needs to be a point to it. Hmm. Like they were talking to um, uh, David Letterman interviewed Jerry Seinfeld about his show, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Yep. And he was asking, he's like, wouldn't it work 
just as well if it was just comedians getting coffee? Why do they have to be in the car? And Jerry was saying it gives the show a kind of energy. And since it's going to be possibly a bunch of random non sequiturs or, or things that are – I could have been using that word wrong – things that are not generally connected because there's no script or story – the the act of the adventure of getting in the car becomes something they can talk about, something they can base it off of. So, you know, I think this is a strong concept already because it's it's completely unpredictable as well. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, you know. So far, yo, go ahead. You know, um, I don't know. So the the name I came up with was uh, "Strangers in a Small World," right? So yeah. it's like, um, you know. We're strangers, but through talking, we find out, wow, we actually have a lot of commonalities. And I think that's true for all people all around the world, right? We're all human, have the same kind of drivers and thoughts and problems. And sometimes I think we forget that we're all similar. Yeah, I like that. As as a computer guy, you think of humans having drivers that are compatible with each other. And they can update those drivers. Yep. Little computer joke. <laughs> I uh, like it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, li- I like that title because it's the internet is bringing is making the world so much smaller, mm-hmm. and you can be. It's almost like sitting just kind of at a cafe or, uh, you know, at a bar, um, or just kind of talking to people. But it's funny because, in a way, technology has stopped the makes random interactions less frequent. Sure. But it makes these more, you're, you know, in your concept, you're making it, technology is making it easier for people who could never have spoken to before. Like before the internet was around, you and I would have probably never met or spoke, right? But right. this is very, very easy and basically free for us to do. Whereas when I worked on a cruise ship, um, people, you didn't have any phone reception. So whenever you were in an elevator, you would talk to everybody because... You just you didn't have a phone to look at, and it became very customary to talk to people. And that was also more of a closed environment because it's smaller. But it made a big difference not having you know because when somebody pulls out a phone and looks at it, it makes them very unapproachable. Right. Yeah. So Which in is, a way, almost technology is driving us apart, right? Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't have those. Um, like you still have there. There's there are people that push beyond that, and then there's like, like the older generation that will. If they sit by you waiting for the bus, they're gonna, they just start talking to you like they're very friendly. They don't even have that guarded nature. Like I've lived in big cities where you're a little bit, you know, you're sussing people out before you give them any information. But they're sort of like an older generation and people from different spots. Maybe they live in smaller towns where they just go, my daughter's getting married at, at this address. <laughs> they tell you all this stuff that if you're a crazy person, you can just go, go kill everybody. Not that I would oh, do that. But uh, it's it's funny how much information people will freely volunteer because they're from a they're from a time when that was acceptable. That's just how you killed time, right? You just BS with each other. You know, you just talked about anything. Do you see younger people doing that though? I find younger people as a thirty-four year old. I find the differences I see in a lot of younger people that have grown up with like a meme culture and. Uh, they're used to conversations stopping and starting. Hmm. They're used to waiting for each other to get their attention back. And they sometimes, and this is more of like the internet side of things, because there's young kids that are, you know, like away from that and, and still would seem like, a, you know, from the old way. But um, 
maybe like younger teenagers, they tend to like blurt things out and they kind of yell and they maybe like do funny voices and they're all, it's almost like they've taken that anonymity of being on a keyboard or on a phone and you're looking at something kind of silly and then projecting that into real life sometimes, M- more so when they're with each other. They kind of, I don't remember being like that when I was younger. We had that, but I noticed like some of my, uh, my girlfriend's younger cousins are, they kind of have that quality. But I just sound like an old man now. But that's what I've noticed anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if the Boston area is different, but I feel like we get on a train or a bus here and everyone just looking down at their phone. Like, even looking around to try and get someone's attention to talk is, like, probably not going to happen. Yeah. And and it's funny because I, uh, I always think of Boston as – I've never been, but I think of it as uh, a place where like a lot of great comedians come from. And and a lot of them have said they feel growing up in a place where uh, you are getting basically heckled by your friends constantly. And it's uh, like a ribbing kind of nature. Help them develop those chops. But it's uh, you know maybe the, uh, the technology aspect is, is bringing that up because you can get away, you know. Um, whereas, I mean, that's strangers on a train can be different too. I, I was living in London, England, and it was like you had mentioned. Everyone is so close; you're touching people all the time because because it's so packed. But nobody talks, and then you'll look up, and if you see anyone looking around to try to make eye contact and talk, that person's not from there. They're usually from Ireland, or they're like a northerner, or they're a tourist wanting to just talk about anything. It's interesting. So it could be a city thing where you just, it becomes a natural, uh, like I was saying before, where a city can make you more guarded because crazy people come up to you in cities and they sure. want money and like salespeople come up to you. A lot of people wanting things and maybe potentially hurting you. So you become a bit more guarded and you become desensitized just naturally through time. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was like, I don't know, just kind of get stuck in your own routine. You take the train to work, you keep put your head down, you go to work, you come home, you sleep instead of like actually being awake and, you know, seeing what's happening around you kind of thing. I don't know. Sure. In the, yeah, in the moment and um, discovering what is there. I, I, I find that with my girlfriend's dad all the time. He's constantly noticing things, even if he's been in a place for 20 years. I'm maybe a bit sleepy and thinking about what we're doing next, you know, thinking in my head. And he's in the moment and he's like, whoa, look at that tree. That tree sure has changed. Yeah. And then he says something incredibly insightful about trees that never would have crossed my mind. I think, yeah, I should be as engaged in life as you and that tree. It's pretty special. Yeah, and it's something that uh, I noticed that working with kids, kids are – um, younger ones, they notice things faster because I think as we get older, we see things. And as as we experience things multiple times, we become kind of deadened to it. So there's, there's not that much of a novelty to it. So like if I would get new glasses or fix my glasses or break my glasses, which happened a lot, the kids would always be the first people to notice. I could walk around a bunch of adults that see me every day and I could have tape on my glasses and they wouldn't. it would take them a long time to notice. Or maybe they wouldn't even say anything, but kids instantly I'm like, hey, you fixed them. Oh, you got tape on your glasses. And maybe that's partly them also not having a filter. Mm. Maybe adults might think that's embarrassing to point out to somebody. But I think it is because they, they're seeing everything for the first time. Like a kid will tell you, a really young kid will tell you a story 
and the story is very boring. They'll say, my grandma has a cat. And you go, yeah, yeah, I've seen like a thousand cats, kid. So that's not a good story. But I would tell, as an adult, I would tell someone, I saw a two-legged cat. I might, I might not even say I saw a three-legged cat because you've probably seen a three-legged cat. Sure. A lot of my friends have seen them, right? That's, that's old news. But like a two-legged cat? Unheard of. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's worth mentioning. So I guess it becomes a novelty thing and um, being desensitized. So I noticed that's the second time that you've brought up the concept of going through life and it being a routine. So is that something that's been on your mind as, you, as you're eight years out of school? Yes. The, the drudgery of life? That's it. Figuring how to get out of it, you know, change it up, be more aware of what's going on around me and make a change. Break the cycle. Yeah, it is. um, When you're on like day five or 35 or month 26 and you realize, oh, yeah, it is getting to be the same. And sometimes people ask me where they're like, what did you do in the weekend? And I have no idea. I can't even remember sometimes yeah. far back because it it, be, it can become kind of uh, repetitive. And those new things can be so exciting. Even if I, – I was talking to my friend about sort of like excitement and depression. and He's so in his head. He's thinking that even when he tries to get inspired by something, he already thinks ahead and thinks, I know inspiration will only last so long, so I just won't even do it. I go, wow. But that on paper, it's easy to pick apart anything. But – the experience of being in the moment, you don't know why going for a walk all of a sudden makes life worth being around for, but it's just that act of it. Whereas, you know, it just, you have to kind of brute force your way into the good moments of life, I think. Right. And, and even like staying in the moment, like it's Bill Murray talks a lot about that. Like what you were saying with uh, being in the moment and experiencing it is that that's the hardest thing is to constantly try to be in the moment and be present, but it's the most rewarding. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you been successful with that, trying to be in the moment, <laughs> trying to break out? Um, I'd say I've been getting better. Um, I definitely know I need to make a change, and that's kind of why I'm starting up this podcast and trying to take action on some different things. So um, I know where I am is not where I want to be for the next 30 years or whatever till retirement. Right. And that's kind of, I guess, another thing that always gets me is we're taught this lesson, right? Like, go to school, go to college, get a job, get married, like, follow these steps. And I don't know, as a kid, it's like, okay, this is what I have to go do. And then finally, you get to this point and you're like, is this it? Yeah. This is what I'm doing for 50 years till I retire? Like, no, that's. That's not what I want it to be. So kind of like deprogramming, I guess, that that story. Um, that's mm-hmm. where I'm at. Yeah, I, I had a, a moment where I was, it was when I was working at the Boys and Girls Club, and I didn't get that promotion, and I was in debt, but I wasn't making enough money to get out of debt, so I realized, and I was in a relationship I wasn't really all that excited about, and I thought... Like Ben Affleck in Goodwill Hunting, he says, I could, I could uh, stay here, and then I wake up and I'm 40. And I realize this could be the rest of my life is doing a bunch of things that don't really inspire me without a way out. Yeah. And I ended up breaking the cycle by going out to Alberta, which is, uh, that's, that's our like, middle of Canada, 
where there's a lot of oil and flatlands and doing these terribly difficult jobs in isolation to get out of debt, break that cycle and get enough money, which allowed me to play music. And it was, uh, I love those kind of, those kind of moments, like going up there or I'll move to different, different places, different countries or, um, work on cruise ships or something. And those experiences have always been, it's, I do like the ability to kind of look back and landmark your life in a way, like see chapters. Yeah. Maybe that's why people get tattoos, but it's, uh, it's been great. And actually, this is probably the longest I've gone without having a new sort of chapter open up where it's kind of been, been steady and I've seen improvements, but I'm sort of like looking for that next challenge. Hmm. So, you went to Alberta. Is that when you start? Oh, so you said you did hard labor there. Yeah. When did you start the music? I mean, music was something I'd always, I'd always messed around with in high school, and you know, I had bands out of high school, but always had jobs. And then when I came back from Alberta, I had all this money, and also I had unemployment money coming in. So I was getting eighteen hundred dollars a month because it's a seasonal job. Hmm. So they pay you eighteen hundred a month for like six months. So it can actually tide you over until you go back. So I had all this money and the ability to go. To, I could basically apprentice. So I would go down to open mics and jams, and I would just talk to the musicians, learn how do you play in places, what kind of songs do you need, what what's the – and basically that was kind of like my college for music. Sure. was just learning on the job and then eventually – and not making money for the first couple of months and then eventually getting into that scene and start making money from it before the money ran out. Sure. So how did you finally break into actually a paid um, gig, I guess? For music, it's uh, going to the open mics and and learning what works. Um, and then what happens is the more you're around it, the more people will, they need somebody. And they go, we need somebody to play here. So you start there. Then you, the more you're out there, the more that people need somebody to fill in or they like your stuff or they need somebody to, to you need three artists on a slot. And then I was talking to one girl and she was working on, and so that was going okay. I was making a little bit of money doing that. Um, but there was a girl that was working on cruise ships. She told me about it. I said, I want to do that. And then she told the guy she didn't want to do it anymore. He was scrambling for somebody and she goes, Hey, there's a guy who said he wants to do it. And they uh, gave me a call. I lied and said I could play jazz, which I couldn't. I went there completely unprepared. We almost got fired in the first week because I was so unprepared. But I, instead of getting to go out and see, we were in the Caribbean. So instead of getting to go outside and hang out on the beaches, I just sat in the uh, crew area 12 hours a day and just studied like crazy, being terrified for the performance that night. That would go terribly. But luckily, the music director saw that I wasn't, drinking or going out so he said i'll give you one week <laughs> and, and that was enough for me to become passable and then i spent a year and a half with those guys getting to travel around the world and that was sort of like my second that would be like my second year of music education and learning a lot of the um a lot of the more advanced stuff where if somebody gave me a music chart i could follow it and i know how to like do a gig at the drop of a hat with different people so i learned a lot from them wow that's that's really cool did you have a band that you kind of stuck with throughout the whole cruise, or did that switch in and out kind of thing? There was a there's a drummer who had um, he had joined another band. Then when that guy left, he kind of took half the band over, and then he was the leader for the three times. I went. And then, but we would sometimes shuffle in members. But it was him and I for 
for a few years. He still does it actually. Wow. He used to live in he used to live in the States. He was kind of struggling with money and he had a, a wife from Thailand and I kept saying, What would you do if you won the lottery? And he'd said he'd move to Thailand. I'm like, Well just move to Thailand. Your only problem right now is that you have this house in America and then eventually he sold that. Lives in Bangkok for like three or four hundred dollars a month and still does the work but now doesn't he does he needs like a third of the money that he needed before. Sure. So a lot of that is People get into situations where, um, uh, you know, you buy an expensive car or a house, children, big investments that require you to be stuck. And it's really hard to change anything in your life when you have, uh, you know, $2,000 a month you're responsible for each month. Right. Give or take. Yep. It's like a chain. But yeah. We're still young. We can break out of those. How old are you? I'm 30. 30. Okay. Oh wow, you're just you're classic. I need to break out of the chain. <laughs> right right when you hit thirty. That's it. <laughs> you know Eight what years happens out of school. <laughs> Eight years out of school, thirty. Yeah, you're right on the uh the trajectory. You're the you're the model citizen. That's it. Young guy in North America getting into a technology field. You're even in the right field. Yep. It's growth industry, it's never gonna go away. You made all the right decisions. Something's missing. Okay, so this is so you've got this. This is sort of a way to like start changing it up. Do you think that now? What's sort of the long term at uh, part of your goal of of switching things up? Do you think that you're going to discover that as it comes along? What was or that? Did you have, Sorry. What was so? What's like the long term um, part of your uh, switch things up plan? Are you going to end up moving to Cambodia and? Um, you know Making what? computers out of trees. I don't know what the long term is yet. I'm still, you know, trying to figure that out. I know I definitely don't want to be working for someone else. So mm. figuring out how I can work, you know, do something meaningful, um, interact with other people and build strong relationships. Uh, how can I do that? Um, and just... You know, if I want to start a family someday, not being stuck going to work and having to miss, you know, important events, whatever it is, being able to be free to use my time on what I want to be doing, not what I have, what I think I have to be doing. Mm. So what does that look like? Yeah, it's something I've been trying to draw up and picture. Um, I don't know exactly what it is yet. Well, I think the... When you don't know what it is, and a lot of times people never realize they're going to end up in the spot they are, but it just comes from putting yourself out there in, in situations you do like, following those passions, and then those other opportunities come up. Like I never, I never assumed I would ever end up on a cruise ship, but just from following music, that's where I ended up. I didn't think that I'd move halfway across the country, and you know, I've I've enjoyed that, and it's because you know I met a girl on a cruise ship, and um, I mean you. Now, talking to people from all over the world, you're going to be exposed to different sort of philosophies and uh, life and opportunities for that kind of thing. But the tough, the toughest part is uh, becoming an, an entrepreneur. It is nice because you can generally, you can pick where your free time is sometimes, but you, I find you end up with less of it because it's, you, in for, for a lot of cases, um, having your own business or your, whether you're in entertainment or whatever, uh, it kind you know, you kind of. I find that I work more 
and you have to take your work along with you. You know, it's not like just kind of go to work and then when when five o'clock hits, it's over, and you don't even have to think about it. And you can enjoy the rest of your day and you can enjoy the weekend until you have to go back, right? But it's uh, but I would I would still never trade it. I like I like working more, being able to take a little break here and there when I want, and uh, and doing things because if you're doing something you're passionate about, it's doesn't feel like as much work and you, know, you can put in 10 hours or 12 hours and it's not as not as draining right that's what i was just going to ask so you're doing yeah you're spending more time but you love what you're doing right mhm absolutely so, so that's that's the that's the thing that you're reaching for i guess that's what i need to find mhm mhm but you had mentioned trying to um, have something so that if you didn't want to mess it on like personal events and life events and stuff where it's, I mean, that is super important. And a lot of times people, but it can be hard if you're, you know, if you're trying to get like a business off the ground, it's, uh, sure. um, difficult. I was talking to my brother and he's, uh, he's had his problems with, you know, substances and things. And I was talking about one point where he was in jail and he, a guy gave him a tattoo and he said, that's it. I'm going to be a tattoo artist. I go, Oh, great. But he'd never done a tattoo. And he's like, yeah, I'm into drawing now. I'm like, oh, that's great. And so I said, what you should do is you should draw for 12 hours a day. Because number one, you need to start drawing 12 hours a day to get good. And number two, if you don't like drawing for 12 hours a day, you probably should not do it. And he was saying, what are you talking about, man? I'm going to have a business. I'm going to work four hours a day. I go, yeah, I don't think that's enough to get a business off the ground. He goes, Matt, $100 an hour, four hours a day. Four hundred dollars a day, and then he says, "I could live with that." Like he's being so modest yeah. that he could exist on four hundred dollars <laughs> a day. Go, oh, yeah, that's uh, sure. There you go. There's your math. He didn't end up becoming a tattoo artist, but I always loved his. <laughs> I love his business plan. Yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> four times a hundred equals it's, okay. It's simple math. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Everyone else is just overcomplicating things. <laughs> yeah. That's all you need, though, really. I mean, we buy these expensive things and cars and houses, and yes, it's definitely overblown. That is, that's a big one. There was a there was a drummer I used to play with, and all his life he kept having opportunities to go play with people, and then he would be lured away to work out in these Alberta places. These isolated—that's like Alberta's like our Siberia, okay. it's where people go to work and you don't like it, but you make a lot of money. Mm. But he would buy these huge trucks. So I'd say he actually, he has so many big trucks. People will call him truck. And he's also like a big, massive, he looked like a villain in uh, like a 1980s Sylvester Stallone movie. Like he would be the final boss in an arm wrestling competition. <laughs> and he would play with me when I was kind of learning how to run a band. And he's like, oh, I wish I could stay and play. I got to go work. I'm like, well, what are your expenses? He's like, got the truck. And uh, that's mostly it. It's like $600 a month and then insurance and gas, right? And then all of a sudden, he gets in a horrific accident. Him, he doesn't receive a scratch, but the truck is a write-off. Insurance is giving him a huge payoff. He's like, wow, they give me all this money. I said, this, this is your crossroad. You can take all that money and you can play music again. And what did he do? Bought another uh, truck. <laughs> and the cycle continues. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's hard, man. It's hard to change. That's, I don't know. We get programmed and that's what we do. It's funny. Yeah. Do you find that it's, I've, 
The programming thing is a big one. I find that it's also when you get other people involved because it, then it not becomes becomes not just about you. If it's just you, it's a little easier to pick up and move. But I find when you have uh, like a serious partner or a child or that, that's when it's way harder to make any kind of change. Right. Or do you like? Do you find that the personal part of it is is you feel programmed? Uh, I I definitely feel programmed. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's all that programming you do at work. That's probably it. It probably didn't help. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, because really, I I mean, I have a house, I have a wife, hmm. but both of those. Um, I mean, my wife was gonna come with me wherever I go house hey you just sell it right you go somewhere yes. else yeah i don't know but it's still it's it's hard it's easy to say that right but it's hard to actually make a change it is yeah it's hard to take the first step but imagine if you could use your computer skills over the internet and you were like an internet consultant guy right and then you could work from anywhere and you could you could be somewhere Really warm, like for example, like my friend was in Thailand. Thailand is nice and it's warm, and people vacation there. The only problem is if you're working there, it's really hard to make a good, sustainable amount of money. But if you were making money online as some kind of consultant or whatever, you could live on a beach as long as you had internet access, right? And you could live someplace that was a lot cheaper. And what he found is that when he played music over there, they were actually getting paid about the same thing that. Guys in North America were getting played, uh, paid in bars. It was fifty to one hundred dollars a guy, which is sadly not gone up much higher. So he's, uh, you know, when you're paying way less rent. So it's the internet is a huge way to uh, to try to make a change in that sense. But it sounds like you got the right partner if they're willing to just, uh, you know, yeah, follow follow the dream. Yeah, yep, that was uh, one of my better decisions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> What? Not not best. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> if you listen to this, it was the best. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like a mathematical thing where something that is the best can is also considered one of the better. That's right. Yeah. So what do you what do you guys call that? A math? It's like uh, logistics or something. I can't remember. Where like all bleeps are blorps, not all blorps are bleeps. Oh yeah, you know, I know what you're talking, talking about. about. I okay. know what you're talking about. What the word is, I don't know. A theorem. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Some some horribly interesting and memorable word. Yeah, that was uh class one oh one. Yeah, one of those. <laughs> Get the definition down. You're gonna need this in twelve years on a podcast. <laughs> oh hmm. man. All right, so how close do you think you are of selling that house? <laughs> I just looked it up. I think we can make it happen. Yeah. I don't know where we're going to go. Oh. So See, now now I would subscribe to this podcast to hear your eventual story ooh. and the and the progression. Yeah. Where does it go next? Because, yeah, you're the main character. This is interesting. And I just get tips from all my different guests. Yeah. Wow. Just calling people up, using them. For free advice. This is pretty nice. Yeah. You think I'm going to be able to get more guests if it keeps going like this? I think people love talking about themselves. That's what I've learned. Yeah. When when I was trying to decide what to go to college for, I 
made appointments with three or four different people in different fields. Uh, one was drug counseling, one was a radio station, uh, and something else. And I went and just hung out with them all day or an hour or however long they would give me. And I asked them questions like, what do you like about your job? What do you hate about your job? Blah, blah, blah. And I found people love talking about their job. And they also tended to reflect on it in a way and maybe even uh, you could see that they were discovering something they hadn't even thought about by reflecting on their own experience with it. Yeah, that's interesting. That's that's a great plan, too. Hey, what do I want to do? Um, let me go talk to these people and see what they actually do before I spend all that money and time pursuing it. Exactly. Like, like when I went to the radio station, everybody had the same story. It was, and then I got a job out in the middle of nowhere, and we had $30 to eat for two weeks. Oof. They all had the same story. Like the yeah. numbers were slightly different, but it was always a story of, you know, we lived on a loaf of bread. And then their big break was coming to a small town on Vancouver Island, which is just outside of Vancouver above Washington State, hmm. and playing Phil Collins songs on some like crappy soft rock station. Thought, what? You want to go to school and pay $10,000 to to play in the air tonight and talk in a dumb radio voice? The only the people who were the most happy were those in sales. They d they never had those um, horror stories because they were just really happy and they made a lot of money. Hmm. Were they were they happy because of the money or were they happy because of what they were doing? I think I think constantly getting money is pretty fun and also the thing about the way they got money is that it was uh it's like a slot machine. You never know. Like every call could be a win or a, a loss, right? Or it could be a big amount of money or a small amount of money. It's, so rather, th like if you had gotten, if they said for the rest of their life you're going to get this great salary, but it's the same amount every single year, you know, every single month, that might be boring. But it's uh, it's like the white reason people like loot boxes and video games because it's this, you never know if it's going to be the jackpot or it's going to be nothing. Right. You get the rush of the, of the sale. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. And they also and they didn't have any harrowing stories. They were like, "Yeah, it started and it was great, <laughs> and, they, and now it's still great." They, but it's that's a whole other world where I I don't know if I'd ever want to do sales. The the fun thing about sales is that a lot of it is getting really excited about something and sharing that excitement. But there also you need to be very pushy, right? If to be really good at it, my girlfriend used to do it, and she has this trick where she just sticks her hand out stares at them and goes, so we got a deal? <laughs> and you just hold your hand out as long as it takes. Oh, just because, like to shake their hand? Yes. Wow. Because, because you want the answer to be easy. Like, I don't know if you drink, but if you go to a bar and, and the bartender or the waitress or waiter or whatever walks by, I don't want to be gender specific here, and they say something like, are you all good? You're probably going to go, yeah. Because it's easier to say yeah than like, actually, no, I want you to do this. But if they come by, and even if you have like half a drink left, or you were maybe not gonna, you were gonna finish that one and go, and they go, want another one? You go, yeah, okay. So it's all about making it the easiest. Uh, you want to make it easy on people for a lot of things. Yeah, that makes sense. Negotiation. Make the answer yes. Yes. And you're more likely to get it. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, just I never thought of it like that, but that totally makes sense. 
got to be easy. People like easy, and they will do things that they never would have thought they would do when they woke up that morning. Because, you know, it's like if you get in a situation and there's somebody with a really powerful personality, you're all of a sudden saying things you wouldn't normally say. And, like, you're, I find, like, almost like you're, you don't necessarily go with your first opinion on it. You're kind of like, I like to suss people out and see what they're all about. And, you know, different, different bus drivers take you down different roads. No, actually, it doesn't make any sense. Buses always go down the same route. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a terrible bus driver. This isn't where I live. Bus is going on a different road today. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, that's that's like the bus driver equivalent of you being like, I'm not doing this route anymore. <laughs> I'm changing things up. That's it. Selling my house, I'm stealing this bus. <laughs> bus driver with no route. <laughs> Yeah, the random bus. Who knows where it goes? Might go where you want it to go. <laughs> might not. Could go somewhere even better. Yeah, there you go. Wow. I think we got a business here. Yeah. As long as it was really cheap and and the options were mostly good, then I would get on the bus. But then, but there's like one in ten chance they take you to the garbage dump. Oof. Yeah, you have to have that one bad option. Yeah, that's to justify it being so cheap. Yeah. <laughs> or they take you to like a like one of those meetings where people try to talk you into timeshares. Oh, wow, <laughs> that's tough. Yeah, Free you go into one of those. If you go, <laughs> oh, backpack. <laughs> yes. Now those those are some serious salespeople. You go into those little rooms, you realize that the majority of the people there are stupid. You're like, wait a second, am I stupid? Or and some of them are just fake. They're plants put there. You can tell because everyone's looking at you. Yeah. So you're going to do it? Man, that, do those still happen? I feel like I haven't seen one of those in years. They must. A timeshare, like pitch meeting? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because there's, uh, like, it's easy to fly everywhere. I mean, I haven't seen one since I was a child, and my parents accidentally went to one. But something, you know, I've always thought of my dad as a really wise man. But he did go to a timeshare pitch meeting, and I the first time I tried to sell a, a guitar amplifier on. You guys have Craigslist? Oh yeah, yep. Okay, and for people that don't have Craigslist, it's just like an online used, uh, you know, people selling things to people. And somebody sent me um, a message, and they sent me more money than the amp was worth, but it was in money orders. Oh. And they go, just cash the money orders. Uh, send me uh, however, like, keep what's for the thing and send me the back. And I was looking, and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. But they were giving me way more money. And my dad was like, oh, yeah, you should do it. They're stupid. They give you all this money. I thought, no, I think I think we are the stupid ones. I think that's how this works. Mm. And what they do is they just make fake money orders that are good enough to be cashed, and then at the end of the month, they get you because you're the only person with like a real name that signed for it. Oh wow! Yeah, I haven't seen that. Oh, it's yeah, it's a it's big one. There. Anytime you put a like a big ticket item. People, it happens for cars, apartments, or anything expensive that they can. They send, say it costs a thousand dollars. They'll send you three thousand dollars worth. They say you keep a little bit extra, send the rest of the money and the item to me, 
And it's all the the way you know is it's never them. It's always like my cousin's broker is in this place, mm. but you send the money to this place. Yep, something's fishy there. Yeah, but yeah, that's other than that, my dad's a pretty smart guy. But I always thought that that was how did you not see that scam coming? <laughs> how can you know though? I mean, you're not. I feel like you expect people to be good. Yes. Right. I don't know. At least I do. I I feel like people are usually good, and I think that sometimes isn't the right way to think, which is sad. Yes. Uh, I generally think like that when I'm if I if I meet people in person and I'm buying things off them, I like to assume that they are they are good. Uh, but you know, you have to. You just have to go with your gut. Yeah. And and then if it comes to something where you're risking a lot, I think that's you have to measure the risk of it with how good you're going to want to think everybody is. Right. Cuz uh, like I went and bought a vacuum cleaner. I drove real. I drove like in 45 minutes to go get it. And it was a nice old couple and it was a Dyson vacuum cleaner. Nice. Isn't that great. I didn't even test it. Nice old couple. I bring it home. My girlfriend's like, "This doesn't work. Did you not test this?" I go, "Uh, I turned it on, but I didn't like, you know, throw flour down." She goes, yeah, this doesn't work. I called him back. I say, this thing doesn't work. I'm going to bring it back. No, no, it's a Dyson. I go, yeah, it doesn't work. No, you have to change the filter. (laughs) I don't want to change a filter. And then they said, oh, it's a Dyson. And then they tell me the money's gone. Wow. I was was just there 40 minutes ago. And then my girlfriend gets on the phone, and they keep yelling about this filter. I still, to this day, if I go, Stella, the filter, she gets... (laughs) Her blood runs cold. She gets so angry. Um, and then they said, like, my husband has cancer. He's uh, dying. And we're telling him, like, well, we, I don't care if he has cancer. It's not my, it has nothing to do with the vacuum. But that's when I learned. When you go buy a vacuum, throw some flour on the floor. Wow. Unbelievable. That is yeah. unbelievable. But actually, you know what happened? I ended up buying a filter, and it worked better. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. That makes me feel better. Hang on, my girlfriend's yelling at me. What? Oh, she says, and then we threw it away because it didn't work. Oh. So the filter didn't work. She's still mad. That happened four years ago. Wow. That's it broke the motor. Broke the motor. She's so pissed. <laughs> still pissed to this day. There you go. You can't trust anybody on Craigslist. Got to no. keep your guard up. Uh, you just have to. I, I, was, I drove a, an older guy to a hockey game last night. And I said, I hear that parking lot six is the best. And he was like, oh, no, I think this one over here is much better. And I'm like, yeah, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, even though I researched this. Then we park in his stupid idea, and we're walking in the bitter, bitter cold. The wind is howling. He's covering his ears. He's like, I'm going to get frostbite. I'm like, yeah, you know what? As we're walking past the parking lot, I said, had a nice covered walkway. So I should have trusted my gut. No, actually, I should have trusted my brain. Yeah. My gut told me, I ah, go with the old guy. Maybe he knows. Maybe it doesn't matter. But my brain said, no, he did the research. It's funny. It's funny. The gut and the brain. It's There is a connection there. Something with the gut gets this feeling. And I don't know what it is, but it it's right. Oh, yeah. There have been any time me and Stella, the yeller, went into... If we go into a, if we step into a restaurant or food place and we get a weird feeling, we we have a code word where we say something's lovely and that means go, because anytime we've been like ah, I don't know let's go, 
it's always a terrible experience. You get there, the vegetables look terrible. The service is terrible. There's flies or something. There's the guy making the sandwich has open sores. <laughs> I haven't seen that, but it's you know you've yeah, got to trust that I, gut. There yeah. should be a feeling of there should be a good vibe about it. Yeah. I don't know how that works, but there's something sending us messages that's yeah, that's yeah. Weird. I've o- I've always been really fascinated by when you're walking down. You live in a city, right? You live in Boston. Yeah. So you're walking down the road. There's this calculation that you and the person walking towards each other make of who is going to get out of the way, and it's done instantaneously. It's like a supercomputer calculating it, and you both know, oh yeah, this person's not going to get in my way. I'm going to have to get out of their way. And it's just unspoken because you don't really see people banging into each other. Right. But usually one moves all the time. You can see it in like maybe their swagger. It's uh, it's just like an aura. It's it's that gut instinct is visible. Hmm. Or like when you look at people and that that first impression that you get is formed. I think it's just your maybe your brain is just doing a ton of calculations based on um, are they wearing a heavy jacket in the summertime? Okay, they might be. Crazy. Or, Definitely step uh, away. Do they have, you know, is the back of their hair sticking up? That's always like a, mm. that's a big one. Because, <laughs> yeah, maybe know? it's as simple as that. Maybe it's just your brain's looking at everything and knows what it's seen before and says, okay. Yeah. Because the brain would only be able to take in information from what you've learned in your life or perhaps have evolved to learn like like we're afraid of snakes and spiders because they're poisonous right but we're probably are babies afraid of snakes and spiders before they know they're poisonous like is it that's like a like a cat you know they're afraid of cucumbers or they're afraid of like hissing sounds they don't like that because they know that that's that's a problem so i wonder if that's carried on through dna and evolution or it's something as we learn as we're older that's that's the that's the interesting thing about it is there's so much that we we don't know you know right Wow, that is that's hurt my brain a bit. <laughs> are yeah, we like, like are we afraid? We have to be I, I don't know. Can we be afraid of things when we're born without knowing what it is? That's crazy. But when you watch a puppy and a kitten, they'll often uh play with each other or like a baby a baby lion or tiger will play with a baby deer. You know? Because racism, you're not born with it. Ah, <laughs> interesting. Uh, so how do they, so that's not a DNA thing. So they must be taught by their, because they, you know, kittens and puppies, they watch their parents, they watch them hunt and stuff. So they learn that. Right. They learn what to chase after. Yep. What to chase, what to do, how to eat. Yeah. What to hunt, mm-hmm. what to be, what to be afraid of. Yeah. So maybe it is a taught it's a programmed uh, software. That's very yeah. <laughs> the drivers have been updated. Ugh. <laughs> I used to fix computers. That was always the worst. The drivers, or you'd format, you'd format a computer, and you're like, "Oh, did you get all the drivers?" Now you don't get to go on the internet. Yep, gotta have that Ethernet driver. Oh, oh god! Once worst. you have that, though, it's easy to get the rest. Yeah. Yeah. I always loved the internet for how much free stuff was on it. That was like, as soon as I had access to the internet, it blew my mind. I was obsessed with it. Yeah. There's anything I want. 
and never even thought of is here. And it seemed like nobody was really that interested in it, the mainstream, until you could take pictures of yourself and share them and look at pictures. And once that happened, everyone's like, yeah, I got to have a smartphone. Put bunny ears on my face. What about all the information of the universe? Yeah, bunny ears on the face. It's like you said, people love talking about themselves. Think I think we're just inherently selfish, right? Sure, sure. Absolutely. And that's a, probably a part of... So why are we selfish? Is that in our nature to be selfish to survive? Mm. You know, it's... I mean, I think a lot of the interesting things about being human are... Is where primitive instinct and living in a modern society meet. So I really want to eat pizza. But I can't just eat pizza all the time. But I want to eat the pizza all the time. And that's because if I was just a foraging caveman and I came across, I'm just eating roots all day, you know, like fibrous vegetables, like, oh, wow, I'm in such good shape. But if I came across a dead whale, I'm like, oh, look at all that blubber. You would gorge on it because you know that the dead whale's not going to last forever and you need to store that fat. So like every time we see a McDonald's, we're like, yeah, whale blubber. But your your brain is saying no, no. Food's unlimited, basically. I mean, in our situ- in our situation, I almost said blessed situation. <laughs> in our blessed situation, you know, like being in the first world, you even if you're not that rich, you can get a lot of really fattening food easily. Actually, right. fat fattening food is way cheaper than exactly healthy. Yeah. Right. So it's you're constantly trying to tell yourself your stomach, like, no, I don't need to eat all the McDonald's. It'll be there anytime. And your stomach's like, and your tongue especially is like. No, I think we should just eat it now while we have the chance. Quick, while no one's looking. Yep, hide the boxes, hide the wrappers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do that. Stella gets in the car. She sees the McDonald's wrapper. She never says anything, though. I like that. That's nice, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, it is crazy, though. You go fast food, it's like, what, $2 for a burger, and then you get some organic meat or whatever, and you're spending, like, I don't know, 15 bucks or whatever. It's like two, three times as much. Yeah, or it's crazy. I, I was looking at a box of Pop-Tarts and the calories and fat that they managed to put into just the smallest little thing. Like a Pop-Tart is very thin and it's only got a little bit of that, uh, that beautiful icing and then <sighs> the, the sort of um, jam filling on the inside. That's not really, it's not a lot of like in terms of grams of food compared to say like a carrot, the carrot's three times as heavy. Right. But they manage in that little bit to put in like 500 calories and 50 grams of fat and like, you know, 50 grams of sugar in the tiniest piece. And it shows how powerful sugar is Yeah. In, uh, and how cheap it is to make, how terrible it is for you. And it's, oh, man, it's a, it's a real nightmare, especially when you get older where you eat bad and obviously you pay for it. Right. Like, like if I slip up and I have a bad lunch and I eat too many bad things. It's like it ruins the day. It's like I got drunk. Yeah. On sugar. I'm like, oh, I can't do anything now. Oh, the motivation to do anything productive is gone. That's amazing too, right? Like, I don't know. In college, younger, you eat anything you want, drink anything you want, wake up the next day, fine, right? Go back at it and do it again. And now, what is it? Eight years later, body just doesn't like it. You, you in this eight years, your eight year cycle. <laughs> That's it. Eight years from now, where am I going to be? Find out. 
in episode 124. <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, there are somebody I dated this like more hippie dippy girl, and she was telling me about the cycles of life and what year of a cycle we were on. Hmm. And it sounded kind of far-fetched, but it it really lined up with the things in my life that I chose to connect, which sometimes can be um, like a personal bias where you know, if you read your horoscope and you just pick out the things that apply to you, but it did feel like I was, that was kind of like a start of my, you know, like the musical part of my life. And, uh, and then that kind of ended and now it's like, I'm doing kind of the same thing, but that next seven or eight year cycle has already started, but I haven't changed anything. And I feel like, okay, there should be something new, which I found with like video game streaming as well. And that was growing really fast at first and now I've had a plateau where it's very frustrating trying to break on through to the other side of, you know, trying to make it ah, just hit, hit, hit the next plateau and keep it growing and make it more profitable. Hmm. But I still enjoy it, even if it's not. So I don't know, but I don't have that same excitement where it was gr- like when you're starting off with nothing. Oh, and yeah. if, you play, if you're playing the right game, it's, you know, you're getting new subscribers all the time and it's, it's exhilarating, you know, and then. Now it's been slowly growing, but very slow. Yeah, yeah. Not, not in a way that could support me on its own. Right now it's just been like a very low-paying part-time job, but still a lot of fun. So just keep going and see how it works. I think the fun part is the key, right? If you're having mm. fun, I don't know. That just seems important. Like homeless people that are yelling on the street. They have a great time. Are they having fun? Are they... I think half the time they are having a great time, <laughs> and and then it's, the other half is terrible. Mm. Yeah, highs that's... and highs and lows, literally. <laughs> Average right out somewhere in the middle. So maybe, hey, maybe it's not that bad. Right. Whereas if you're doing the sort of the like wage and the house and the thing, maybe that's the averaging out in the middle. Yeah. Where there's people in the street, they're living. They have no average. It's either super high or super low. Mm. They might have an average too. They might just be sitting there like, huh, another Monday or whatever day it is. Yeah. Sitting here. Doesn't matter what day it is. No. Unless it's welfare day. Oh. Then that's a big one. They still have payday. They do? Yeah, yeah. They get oh. uh, the, the welfare that's, day. That's good. Yeah, so they still have routine. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So um, your video game uh, streaming, what yeah. games do you typically stream? All kinds? or? Well, we started with Final Fantasy thirteen. Mm. <clears throat> right now we're playing Divinity Original Sin 2, which is sort of a hardcore uh, classic strategic RPG with a great story. And we're playing... Um, Dark Souls 2, we're going to get through that whole Dark Souls franchise. We're playing XCOM, which is like another strategic computer game. We're playing um, uh, so Skyrim, Elder Scrolls Skyrim. I've never played that before. We're going through the Yakuza series. Uh, we played a bit of Red Dead, which I found a bit boring. Um, we're, I like to mix in some really old classics, some games from the last couple of years that I missed, and then and then a few new games as well. That's so we, cool. yeah, we try to keep above like four or five going. We used to just do one, then it was three for the people that were 
that first started supporting the channel with money. They got to pick a game. And then I started kind of got so bored with just like three all the time that I started grabbing tons of games. And then that's kind of made it a little hard to progress in any way. Uh, but now we've kind of narrowed that down. So, yeah, we play a lot of like RPG strategy games. We don't tend to play any of the really popular ones. Like, well, I don't play Fortnite. Uh, I don't play um, a lot of shooters. Or we're more of it's more like adult based and um, mature and just sort of like relaxing and having a good conversation with people. Hmm. More story games, kind of. Yeah, RPGs. yeah, a lot of story games and and discussing with people in the chat like what makes a game good and what they like about it and um, almost like a long game review, like a book club in a way. Yeah, that's really cool. Do the do the other people play or do they just watch? They just watch and talk. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. You said Sometimes, we. Are there other people that also play? No. Okay. We just, is just your fan club. Yeah, yeah, just because they're because they're like everything they're saying is coming up on on the screen as well. So when people watch it in the future, they can see because I'm I'm interacting with them so much that it would be very odd if people in the future didn't know what they were saying. Gotcha. And I also use, because uh, I'm a musician, I use a looper pedal. So I sort of sing when I, um, so like if somebody came into the chat, I could say something like, uh, like, did that come through in your oh wow that was awesome yeah so i have that looping battle with me all the time and it just keeps it interesting uh i'll do like kind of vocal covers of video game songs or I'll sing if people come into the chat I make up a song about their name or whatever. Wow, that's really cool. So it's 90skid.com. Um, a 90skid, yeah. A90skid.com. A90s and then our YouTube, I think, is called Official 90skid or a Twitch's Official 90skid or a 90skid. That's awesome. All right, I got to check that out. <laughs> yeah, we do it. Uh, I do it Tuesday through Sunday. I start at about... 8.30 or 9 a.m. Eastern Time, and I go for about four hours. Before, I would do 9.30 for two hours, and now I'm trying to make it longer but start earlier so that it doesn't bleed into the rest of my day. Sure, sure. As much. That's awesome. Definitely going to check that out. Very cool. I like the uh, the music. That definitely adds its own special, unique um, difference than on another Twitch stream. Sure. I mean, there's so many of them, and... Uh, I never watch those streams. I find they make me a bit nauseous. So I don't, um, I'll, I'll watch my friends that have them because I, I don't know, I feel more of a connection with them, I guess. But uh, I don't watch any of the big ones. I don't really know what a lot of people are doing. But I do, I do like this. It keeps me interested anyway. It keeps me entertained if I'm, you know, banging my head against a really hard part in Dark Souls to be able to sort of, actually Dark Souls is the one where I do it the most because it doesn't have a lot of music within the game. So there's not it's not clashing, hmm. so you can uh, really kind of mess around and yeah. I haven't figured out a way to properly brand that though to describe it like in the title so people would know what to expect. Live singing looping, just be really basic with it. But then sometimes I don't. Sometimes there'll be a whole episode where I don't do that because there was so much music and story. So yes, and I, w- I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to feel chained down to doing that. But right. it does does set it apart, and it is something I enjoy. So. I don't know. The marketing part I always find really, really hard, and the the sales of it is especially when it has when it's yourself. 
Yeah. So it's always difficult but necessary. Yeah, it's hard to promote yourself. I don't know what that is. It's it's easy to promote your friends, your family, right? But I don't know. It's something about it. Well, there's also the pressure of it where it's, if I say I'm going to do this, is it going to be that good? Yeah, you got to Is perform. it worth their time? Right. Yeah. Huh. So, and, and it's also, uh, it just seems so arrogant and like self-serving. Yeah. But it's just something you have to get over. Right. So are you actually doing any like advertising or are you just pretty much tell a friend and have them join? Um, I don't, I think sometimes we advertise on Facebook where Lachlan is the guy who owns a nineties kid.com and started it and, uh, as is responsible for everything happening. And he's got a staff of writers that do uh, review of games and gaming news on our nineties kid.com. And then I handle the streaming portion on the YouTube channel. So he does advertise here and there and he's always, he's always sort of brainstorming different ways to get out there. He's he loves that entrepreneurial business side of it and marketing. Yeah. Every once in a while I see something I find interesting. Like I was staring at an ad at that hockey game last night and the ad didn't tell me what it was advertising, but it, it was like a question. It was no, it was more of a, it was like a fact that really made me want to know what it was. It was like the most important innovation from this country. And you go, Oh, what is it? I want to know rather than just telling you what it is. So I find leading people in with something people want to know. I mean, you see that in clickbait headlines all the time. Oh, yeah, totally. At the end of this video, you're going to... I can't even say it because I hate those. I hate those headlines so much. <laughs> yeah, they are. It's it's brutal just going on Twitter and you see all these things, you know. Uh, it's tough. Well, I find people generally... Um, they they all share the same kind of language, you know, whereas rather than coming up with how they feel on their own, they just say like, um, they'll just like, I don't know, I'm, cr- okay, when someone sees like a sad video, I like those videos where, where a kid who is, who is being fostered or something gives adoption parents, to, adoption papers to their parents. Yeah. <laughs> makes them cry, especially when it's like some crusty old dad. <laughs> but when people put in a comment, they go, who? I'm crying, you're crying. Like, why? Why do you have to say that? We all know. We've all seen that phrase. Stop it. It doesn't need to be said anymore. It's... Where, where do those come up from? Where do those come from, right? Because, like, someone said it once, and it was like, huh, that was that was pretty clever, right? And now it's just like, this is what we say when we see that. How does yeah. that happen? So it must have been, yeah, the genesis of it had to be one person, and then they knew enough people, enough people saw that, that were like, I'm going to steal that. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to take that and spread it around. And then there's so many people there. It just means there's a huge majority of people that will, uh, that are like, yes, I hear that. I will say that. I guess it's kind of how accents are formed. Mm. You know, like, I don't think you woke up and were like, yeah, I'm going to sound like I'm from Boston. True. Just happened. It's just, you yeah, you can't even. Yeah, you can't help it. Would you, Would you have been able to? Do I sound very Canadian to you? No, I wouldn't have been able to guess where you were from. I notice it because I do voiceover uh, that narration stuff. Right. So I I tend to try not to sound very Canadian, but there's there are some times where I'll say like huge, and it's and it, we we tend to overemphasize vowels uh, in Western Canada. We're like, or we, instead of saying like oh. For sure. We'll say for sure. Yeah, I've heard oh, that. 
for sure. You, I've heard that, that as a uh, as colloquialism. A, what's the word? No, local localism, regionalism. Yeah, yeah. But I always really admired when you'd see a a newscaster, a national broadcaster, and they would speak with like a mid-Atlantic diction where they didn't sound like they were from anywhere. And then whenever you watch the local news, they're like, yeah, it's local news out here in Albuquerque. Yep. (laughs) Got a big storm front coming in. Wow, that's pretty good. (laughs) Well, the the thing with the redneck accent, David Cross said it, he's like, that redneck accent is everywhere, whether you're like in a big city, Alaska, wherever, the people, there's sort of like a hick way of talking. And I think it comes from speaking around loud machinery and, and, and far distances <laughs> where you just yell things out. Come on over here. That makes because sense. Wow. It's too much energy to go like, come on over here. They wouldn't even hear what you're saying. Yeah. Hey. It's just simple survival. Yeah. Back to yeah, it. Like, like we were climbing around some um, some rocks by a river, and it's so loud, you can't talk. So uh, you, people start using sign language, and different people become leaders where because they're maybe physically capable and and uh, are are more ambitious about where we should climb, and kind of people you just kind of settle into these. Uh, it's like changes the social structure of things. Where like that person knows what they're doing, I'm going to follow them up this path and stop when they stop and it it, like totally changes everything because you've removed uh speech whereas maybe if it was if you couldn't see them and it was all about say we were having like a vocal discussion with 10 people and they couldn't see each other you know maybe that person wouldn't take the lead and lead the network synergistic initiative wow you know what i mean (laughs) i hear you (laughs) yeah people are strange so different, but then so the same as well. Really? It's it's well, crazy. It's like 25 different kinds of people, but so that can be so different. You can be so different from someone, but whether it's in Boston or uh, I'm in Quebec, we're like, we, we probably have the same, the same like archetypes. And then people are deeper beyond that. But, uh, you know, there's the same types. Just kind of mixed up a little random. Their faces are randomly generated. Yep. In that archetype. Such a video game way of looking at people. Yeah, that is. I was thinking the <laughs> same thing. Like building your character. Yeah, running into NPCs. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. How long have we been talking here? What is this? I don't know. Well, guess. I just saw it. You guess. But don't look. I hear you clicking. Don't look. <laughs> don't. Look. Okay. Um, well, anything else you want to talk about? We covered a lot of crazy different topics. Um, no, just if people want to find my music. Yes. Yeah, we didn't talk about your music enough. So what kind of music do you uh, sing, perform? Um, generally, I do sort of my shtick is that I play anything. So whatever people want to hear. And if... If I need to, I'll just listen to it for a few seconds and then play it. So, but I don't really like a lot of new music. I, I hate a lot of new music. It's it's uh, really boring and made by a computer and very obnoxious and uh, just makes me very tired. But it's very simple, which is nice. Uh, so yeah, I play anything from like uh, old, really old timey jazz, 
through every decade up until like the 90s and then some new stuff as well. And then my own music is more, I have a rock album that kind of sounds like the Foo Fighters and the Pixies. Oh, nice. And, and then I do some uh, solo stuff as well. Where can so. we find the album on Spotify or... Yeah, on Spotify, the band is called the Magyars. It's M-A-G-Y-A-R-S, which is Hungarian for Hungarian. Oh. So you're going to see a whole bunch of like Hungarian traditional music, and then there'll be this kick drum with the Magyars taped on it in black electrical tape. So that's my hard rock and stuff. And then I have a website, MatthewFalva.com, where I have some uh, just a few little pieces that I do more like solo acoustic that are more like Elliot Smith or sort of indie chill indie that kind of thing do you sing too yeah i sing and play guitar and i use a, a looping pedal so do you you wrote your own music songs yeah yeah the, the magyar stuff is all uh, all my songs played with uh, well co-written with a drummer and a bassist as well very cool wow hmm, i kind of want to dive into that but i got time so you mentioned a couple of times 12 hours a day. Do you find that to master anything, that's kind of the rule? You just got to put in the time. That's the only way you're going to master something, right? Yeah, you want to have it. It's a, I mean, 12 hours a day is a good way to know if you actually want to do it, where would you push past the normal amount of time and still, and still want to do it? But, and you also have to do something when you don't feel like doing it. You know, if you're not in the mood. Are you going to keep putting the time? And you generally want to get to a point where things become automatic and then you can perform them a lot better. Like a boxer doesn't think about all the motions that go into a good punch. And I don't need to think about shifting from G to C or you know, B flat diminished or whatever to throw in a chord that sounds more difficult. Hmm. It, just, it just happens and it gets to the point where you can more better. You can more better. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like if I was a professional speaker... I would I would have practiced so much of that I wouldn't say things like more better or I would know how to react my way out of that in a great way. It's like when you listen to a comedian, they can they know how a joke is constructed so well that they can take any idea and eventually turn that into a joke. So I think it's yeah, repetition is huge. And actually um a small amount of time each day I think is better than um a small periods or uh, sorry, sorry, like interspersed periods of a lot. So like building up a habit instead of, okay, this week I'm going to do one day of eight hours. Yes. You'd rather You think it's better to do half an hour every day or something, say. Even five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Just- because because what will happen is your brain remember there's a muscle memory. Right. And your brain will keep working on that. And you can think about that. Once you have it understood, you can think about it without having to directly be working on it. Hmm. So it's, yeah, it's much better to just spend, like learning a language, just... Every day, learn one word, and then in a year, you've got three hundred words. Right, super easy. Just and and actually, when you break it down, people only use about one hundred and fifty words. Really, there's a there's a lot of popular words. When you when you don't understand a language, it sounds so mystical or exotic. And then once you like, I've learned another language before, and then all of a sudden, you realize people are just talking about the dumbest thing. Most mostly food. Yeah, food and bun things. (laughs) They say things are good and bad, and that's it. Yeah, so it's, that's what, when it comes to music or learning a language or uh, you know, video games or computers and stuff. 
Yeah. Just putting the putting the time in it. So huge. There's, I mean, there's a natural talent that'll get you f- far too. I've seen people that do practice a lot with music, and either there's a ceiling that they can't get past, or or they'll progress much slower than somebody who has a natural inclination. But just having a natural inclination will not take you away. It just it just means that your your time spent on it is probably more enjoyable. So you'll uh, you'll progress faster. Oh, I had a question. Um, what was it about mastery? Um, you said twelve hours a day. Yeah. Mastery. Well, I'll move on to um, your your written songs. Okay. What do you mostly write about? What? Um, yeah. What do you write about? Or how do you come up with the lyrics? I guess. I generally will sing. I'm more focused on having a good melody and the way the chords work. And then I find if I just sort of sing what's coming out of my head, it'll generally be a stream of consciousness of how I'm feeling at the time. And then when I find something that sticks, some kind of idea that feels strong, then I'll go back and try to make a story out of that or make sure that it all fits so that it's it all builds to a, a climax and make sense, and, and every other lyric is sort of serving that main purpose. So, but generally, it's more of a, I think about the lyrics last, unless unless a lyrical idea seems really strong, then that can also lead the song as well. Interesting. But generally, it comes more from, I've always been a big Beatles fan, and I like, I don't think that, the, I mean, the lyrics are nice, but I don't just go to Beatles songs for lyrics. Like, I love Radiohead and Muse and I think Muse's lyrics are so stupid and a lot of time Radiohead it doesn't really matter what they're saying because it can be so abstract so it's more for me it's it's the way a, a chord moves or a dramatic shift that is uh, the most interesting thing gotcha so it's really the music more than the words yeah for you. yeah yeah the, the sounds of it. yeah like I've never been a big Bob Dylan fan mm-hmm. as I get older I realize some of his lyrics are uh, really powerful and very clever but I don't want to sit there and listen to music that just bounces from a couple chords back and forth mm. unless it has a really dramatic way of doing it. Do you feel that way because you know music so well? Whereas like I I listen to music, but I don't think I could tell you, you know, a chord from a chord. Yeah, I, I wonder about that. It's I wonder if it's uh I think it's something that you can feel, but you maybe don't, you wouldn't be able to describe why. But I think if I showed you sort of like different examples, then you might be able to, um, okay, here, I have a guitar here. And we'll, we'll test that out. Okay. Okay, I'll play. You tell me if you can hear this guitar. Yep. Can you hear that? Yep, loud and clear. Okay. Okay, so for example, here is one kind of style of music. Okay. As opposed to something that's more like um Is there anything that's, that sticks out to you in the difference <laughs> between those two things? 
Yeah, absolutely. The first one just sounded like the same thing over and over. The yes, second one yeah. was amazing. Yeah, no, the first one is is uh like the most common way you could ever put chords together. You start with your root chord, you go to the fourth, which sounds nice, and you go to the fifth, which is also very solid and resolves nicely together. So they kind of lead into each other. But when you add something like this, it sounds like, whoa, yeah. you, you did one note out of what was expected. So in music, a lot of times it's about creating tension and then releasing the tension. So if this is your starting chord, this is your tension, where your brain's like, what's going to happen? And this is a nice resolution. Because this note up here wants to go down to here and then back home. So, and that works with a lot of things is creating is tension and release. Whether you're giving a speech, you start off with a question that kind of knocks people off their boundaries a bit, and then you give them the answer. And that can be, I mean, uh, like if you're massaging somebody too, I would imagine you like can't just hit them at the same intensity all the time. Or, you know, if you're, is this an adult podcast? If you're yeah. making love, you know? <laughs> Tension and release, tension and release, yeah. not just the same dynamic all the time. Makes sense. Yeah. You can almost feel that second one. I don't know. You can feel it in your bones almost. I don't know yeah. if it's because my headphones are loud, but. <laughs> well, it's, there's more going on and the notes are, speak, are having a lot more conversation with each other, whereas the first one has a good beat and will generally make people move. Yeah. And will give them what they want. Whereas like a lot of popular pop songs, are generally so um, true to that simple concept that your brain, for a lot of people, they go like, oh, I've heard this before because it's the same as every other song that's been written before. Mm. So it's something that you can instantly like, but you'll also probably instantly forget. Whereas something that is a little more demanding can be tougher to get into, but when you do get into it, it's, it's there for the long haul. Mm. That's really cool. Music, there's just so much to it amazing yeah yeah it's uh and it's one of those things that i've loved to as i've learned more and gone back to listen to the music that i grew up uh you know your ear develops and what you like develops and you can still go back like the beatles were the whole reason i got into music i didn't really care about music until them and they're the reason i play guitar and sang and now when i go back and listen to those songs that i listened to as a teenager that i noticed so many more of the little instrumental things instrumental things that they're adding and it kind of keeps on giving that way. That's really nice. Really cool. It's a good story. You got a really good story. All, oh, thanks. It's just really all the different chapters, you know. It's, it's inspiring. I'm glad I got a chance to talk to you. Definitely making cool. me think. All right. Oh, man, that's something that I noticed. Um, that's really nice what you said. And I'm glad we spoke, too, and I'm glad you're doing this. I think it's a great idea. And I'll be uh, listening just to hear what other people say and, and throughout your journey. A really funny thing I hear people on the East Coast say is where I'm from, we have two TH sounds, right? We say, we say through, like a hard TH, through, throw. Or we say, um, uh, if we say this, we go this, that vibrating TH. So when we say think, we use the, the hard TH, think. But I notice you guys in the East Coast, you guys say think think yeah because uh, you didn't say it so much there but you said it before when you said oh it's really making me think 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 
So I noticed this guy, yeah. uh, Colin Moriarty, he used to be on um, IGN, and now he has his own show called Colin's Last Stand. He's from Long Island, mm. and he really has those vibrating THs. Think and this and that. And th- throw and through. Sounds so strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> strange accents from us New Englanders. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to go down there and... Um, where do you recommend – if someone was going to go to Boston, where should they go? If you're into like the old quarter and like the more cultural kind of places and fun fun pubs and stuff. I almost said fun bars. I don't want to have like a wild crazy sound. More just like an interesting bar. Hmm. Music. There's this, there's this bar, the hub, pu- the pub in the hub. Pub in the hub. Yeah, it's like an old bar, kind of divey, but, you know, they got a live bands and good music, good drinks. Food is meh, but it's like you're going to see some real Boston people in there. And everyone's really friendly. So it's a good spot. That's where we usually go if we're uh, having like a relaxing, chill night. That's where I'd, that's exactly where I'd want to go. Kind of divey, live yep. music, relaxing, chill, real characters. Yep. That's, that's what you're going to get there. All right. So we got 90skid.com to check out the video games. Yeah, uh, a '90s kid like a '90s. Oh, yeah, I'll uh, put that on the site so we can have the yeah. link there. Okay. Um, the Magyars. The Magyars, yeah. Which is Hungarian for Hungarian. Yep. Got so it. clever. <laughs> which then, so one guy looked at the drum thing and he goes, "Hey, what are the Maguires playing?" Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys man. like baseball. <laughs> That's great. An old Irish band. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't want to go any further because I've yeah. realized by listening to Irish people that my I don't know how to do an Irish accent at all. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much for the time. I I really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun and a lot of information. So it's been great. Yeah, Nick. What's the name of the podcast again? Strangers in a small world. Strangers in a small world. All right. I'll send you over uh, this voice data. And uh, good luck with it. And thank you, too, for the idea and the inspiration as well. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Strangers in a Small World. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and send a review on your favorite podcast listener. If you want to reach out to us, check us out on Twitter at Strangers in a Pod on Instagram at Strangers in a Small World, or go straight to our website and hit us up at www.strangersinasmallworld.com. On the website, you can find information on the show, as well as links to everything we talked about in today's conversation. Thanks again for listening, and remember, although we may be strangers, we all live together in this small world.